Michael Figured, Conversations. <coughs> All right. Hello, Renze. How are you? Hi, Michiel. I'm, uh, I'm really good. Thank you for inviting me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. It's been so long since I've seen you. And actually, I, I want to kind of know an update on your life. So I'm very curious. Um, this is, you're actually the first guest of this year on the podcast. So, uh, Thank you. That's a, that's a big <laughs> honor for me. And it's also exciting for me because uh, there's a lot of new setup happening. There's a new camera that's also recording me from the side. And hopefully some of the voice issues are also solved. So uh, I yeah. hope everything will, will come out correctly. Although it's maybe, we can, uh, we, maybe we can clap so you can, uh, so you can sing the, the audio. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a good idea. Maybe we should do it at the same time. Okay? Yeah, right. <laughs> Ho Three. Hopefully. Two, two, one. one. <laughs> okay, almost. I think almost. we should have that. <laughs> I think that's as good as we are going to get it because since we are uh, doing it over the internet. But uh, Indeed, awesome. Yeah. All right, <laughs> this should be fine. All right, Renzo. So um, actually, when I when I looked it up, so we actually studied the same thing. We studied uh, communication at Artevelde Hogeschool in Ghent. Yes. Uh, and I noticed that on your profile it says strategic planner. I, I have no clue whatsoever what strategic planner is. So maybe if you could tell us a little bit more about yourself first and then what a strategic planner actually is. Okay, yeah. So I am uh, I'm Renze. Uh, and as you said, we, we studied communication management at Artevelde University College together in what was it like 2014 to 2000? Mm. Yeah, it should be. 18? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, 2014 or something. Yeah. I guess that's already like quite that. a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. um, and actually, um, maybe maybe we can start with why I why I chose communication management because um, actually since I've been a child, um, this is maybe maybe a fun anecdote. Uh, I've <laughs> never right. I've never had a TV uh, in my life actually. Uh, so when I was a kid at home. I didn't have a TV. Mostly my dad was, uh, he was very against the TV. He was like, no, it's not good. It's not, uh, it doesn't bring, uh, doesn't bring anything to the, to the family. Uh, so I actually grew up without television. The only times I got to watch TV was when I was with my grandparents or <laughs> when I was with friends or uh, with my nieces and nephews who had a television. Um, that was the time when I could watch Nickelodeon, when I could watch CatNet, uh, when I could watch Cartoon Network. And even though we didn't really have that TV, me and my brother, we were very easily... It was, it was so easy for us to pick in on, the, on all the shows and to, uh, to remember the, the episodes we've already saw, the episodes that were new to us. And actually doing watching tv at my grandparents that was when when i actually uh, found my my passion for advertising what's your favorite um, show that you remember from when you were a child uh i i guess uh, avatar uh, is, my, <laughs> avatar. is my favorite show ah, that was, the original I, first season was now added on netflix did you know yeah, yeah, I saw. I already, <laughs> already watched everything. <laughs> I, I've never watched the original Avatar before, so now I also started with the original because Legend of Korra, I think, is then a follow-up on the original Avatar, and yes. I want to make sure that I get everything 
uh, from the story. So I will, I'm watching the first season now, or the first, I don't know, what, what's it called? First Avatar, and after that I'll watch Korra. <laughs> and okay, that got you into advertising school, or what were you going to say? Yeah, um, <laughs> so watching TV, I had the opportunities to like uh, see advertisements for actually the, the first times in my life. And what I found so intriguing was that I found these these advertisements so boring sometimes and sometimes mm -hmm. so fake. And I was like, I can do this way better. <laughs> and not only in the not only watching watching kid, kids networks like Nickelodeon, Catnet, but also like watching regular TV, um, like VRT, VTM, Vier, uh, who are the mm -hmm. channels in Belgium that are quite the popular quite the popular ones. Mm -hmm. I saw like advertisements for big brands, uh, with with boring advertising, and I was like, oh my god, something needs to change, <laughs> <laughs> and it's gotta be me. <laughs> So, uh, so that was actually where I where I found my passion for advertising. And what did, what didn't um, you like about the advertisements that you saw then? Well, that's a good question, but it's also already quite some time ago. Um, but mostly, uh, yeah. To me, I was I was still a kid at the moment. So to me, I was like, this is mostly boring stuff. I get I guess like, um, but. We're already, we're already talking TV commercial TV commercials in the early 2010s or late 2000s. So mm -hmm, that was mm -hmm. the time when I was watching those commercials. So um, I I guess mostly they were boring, but they were also not targeted to me. So <laughs> <laughs> maybe I was not the the one who who had uh, who had to have a, a big opinion on that. But that was where I discovered my passion for advertising, and that's why I. I eventually chose communication management uh, to study because I also had, uh, I think, um, nurse, nursing as a as a mm -hmm, as one mm -hmm. of the choices I was gonna make, uh, and being a social worker that was also something that I thought was very interesting because I do a lot in in youth work and stuff. Mm -hmm. But eventually, uh, I'm really happy that I chose for. Uh, for advertising as a passion mm -hmm. and so now I'm a strategic planner uh, in the advertising industry and a strategic planner is actually the one who receives the briefing from the client or who who goes to get the briefing from the client and tries to link the customer insights so what does the customer care about what is the customer thinking about okay. what are their big concerns and how can the mm -hmm. product uh, or the brand help them solve this. And I try to find a match between what the brand wants to tell, what the customer needs. Mm -hmm. And together with uh, creatives, we find a big match and we create a concept uh, that can then be translated into TV commercial, uh, out of home advertising, anything. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's quite exciting. So Yeah, and it sounds like a lot of, a lot of work as well. So are you, if I understand correctly, you are you're getting the insights from the way the brand works and the way the brand wants to be perceived, and you mm -hmm. get the data from it from from them, like um, past performances or so on, to see what worked with the audience and what not, and then you propose new ideas with the people that will actually think out the advertisement. Something mostly, like that, or 
mostly it's about uh, we need a launch of this new product or um, the summer is coming and we, we want to have this summer campaign. Uh, this is the message that we want to give the consumer. Mm-hmm. Um, how can we translate it into something tangible, something everybody can understand, something people can connect with? Um, yeah, try to find the deeper layers uh, of that message, yeah. actually. Uh, and did you already create some of the advertisements in the end that you were proud of, proud of or that you thought that were a lot better than the ones you've already seen when you were a child? Uh, well, I, I can't go into into detail of brands and, and stuff like that, but um, I was I, I, alre- I already did worked together uh, with my colleagues on quite some big campaigns. Of course, I've only started for like uh, a year now, I guess. So it's still uh, it's still taking opportunities and uh, getting into new projects. Uh, mm-hmm. Because you don't get that much that much projects in in advertising, but I had some really cool campaigns. One campaign was about uh, uh, Euro uh, the Euro Cup twenty twenty that unfortunately <laughs> could not be played because that was gonna be it was gonna be so lit to see everything that we had <laughs> created coming and falling into place. Um, I was not there from the beginning, but I jumped into the project later on, and I still got a lot of things that I could help with, that I, uh, that I could put my input into, um, social media posts, social media ads, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was so excited about that and it was such a cool project. Um, but unfortunately, yeah, we're, we're going to do that next summer. Um, and also during, during COVID, um, we've created a platform for a brand um, where we connected uh, customers with each other because due to COVID nobody could see each other anymore. We were in lockdown. Mm-hmm. We weren't seeing each other, um, so we we created that platform where uh, youngsters could challenge each other and then could win amazing prizes. Um, and I, where the I, brand is kind of on on top, and then they can communicate with the customers about actions or how did it work? Uh, so it was an online platform where mm-hmm. uh, that that we advertised, so uh, youngsters could could easily find the platform, and then they could challenge their friends. Uh, actually, it was not really a challenge; it was more like working together to create something. Mm. Uh, and when okay. they and then they could apply uh, with that for one of like quite amazing prizes. Um, so that was that was pretty cool because what I. What I believe advertising should be about, and, and this is this is, maybe this is something that goes with with me working in experience marketing, but I believe that um, advertising and anything about marketing should be about customers giving attention to you, mm-hmm. uh, because that in the end that's what advertising is about: customers giving their attention to you. And what I think is the is the way advertising should work is that you give something back to the customer okay. for their attention. Um, so I work in experience marketing and we do everything from uh, samplings. So sampling means um, handing out small samples of the product in train okay. stations, city mm-hmm. centers, uh, in front of the store, 
Um, so get customers to experience and try the new product. Mm -hmm. So everything from that to big festivals, uh, creating uh, stands for brands on festivals, uh, creating experiences there. Mm -hmm. um, so it's a very broad scope, but in every part of experience marketing, we try to give something back to the customer, something okay. that makes their connection with the brand a little more stronger. And that's why I really believe in experience marketing. And that's how I like to do or would like to do everything in the future with, with that in mind. So that's so very, very interesting. You seem so passionate about it as well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's, so that's, so, that's so great to see. Uh, regarding the, so the experience marketing part, can, can you... Tell us some of the brands you work with, or are you not allowed to discuss any of those brands? I'm, I'm not really allowed to, uh, to discuss any Ah, uh, that, that's a pity, that's a pity. Yeah, that's, okay. that's the big thing in, in communication. Uh, yeah, all right, no problem, no problem. And do you think that, so the study that we did together was communication uh, science um, for three years. Um, how did that actually help you right now? Or did you learn a lot of it in, in those studies that helped you right now? Or Can you repeat the question? Because you, I lost you for a second there. Oh, okay. So um, regarding all the stuff you have to do right now, how did the studies help? Um, like the, stu the first study. So the first uh, three years that we did, how did those three years translate or helped into doing the stuff that you're doing right now? Yeah, so um, a lot of like a lot of my co co students that at that time, like you were, yeah, like you are one. Yeah, I I heard a lot of skepticism about uh, about the, the the education that we got at Efteveldo <laughs> University College, but I think that it 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 has two sides, like. Um, on the one hand, we, we, we learned about the broad scope of communication management. And I guess that's what the, that's what the, 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 the dedicators are trying to do is give you a broad scope about everything that has to do with communications. And we saw a lot of things like we saw reputation management. I did uh, um, uh, government communication. Oh, yeah. Um, we saw everything about branding. We saw everything about uh, printing and how colors work, all that kind of stuff. We learned Photoshop, we learned InDesign. We learned to work with PowerPoints, how to present. We learned writing, languages, <laughs> yeah, French. So we saw so many things that are today quite important in my job because I have to speak French with my clients. Uh, most of my emails are in English. I write copy in English, Dutch and French. So I have to be able to speak and write those languages almost perfectly. Of course, and fr French is a little, <laughs> that's sometimes uh, a little hard. A bit plus difficile, But like those, those already are super valuable things. Um, like my writing before I went to Artevelde was it was it, it was the worst actually like i learned so much uh, during those classes of dutch mm -hmm. um so i think that that's already so valuable 
so we had like a very big scope and we did some very cool projects like um the last year of our education we had this um we had this project that we had to work on in teams uh, yes of six or seven or so where we had to crack a real case um that was very uh, that was very interesting because oh which one did you get uh, I had, uh, yeah, I don't know if I can say, because that was confidential as well, <laughs> even, <laughs> though, even though we are four years uh, uh, in the future. I guess, it should be, I guess it should be fine at this point, right? Uh, we had a social housing project. Oh, okay, okay. And what did you, yeah. do, what did you do for them? Uh, oh, it's already, uh, it's, quite, it's quite a long time ago, but we, we worked on... on gathering the community and and creating more of a community feeling uh, inside uh, the social mm -hmm. housing uh, mm -hmm. op, uh, affilities uh, mm -hmm. uh, so that's what we did but to come back to your question was was it was it available three years i believe it was i believe it i really believe it was because we had such a broad scope and it helped it also helped you to find your way into the communication world because all of us knew nothing when we started and i saw a lot of people going towards television and video mm. editing i saw people going towards branding and getting better at uh, graphic design choosing a path that way mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. my path that i chose was really um uh, strategic work strategic thinking um working with nudges Mm -hmm. um but i also have like two big remarks on on the education that we had and that's the first one is um everything about digital marketing was kept so on the surface like yeah i yeah. i knew what seo and sea what it what it standed for i knew it yeah. was uh, search engine optimization <laughs> search engine advertising yeah but we never saw anything about how we have to do yeah this. that's true that's something yeah. I also found like the it was all very broad and very general, which of course allowed you to touch up on a lot of different object uh, subjects. But then, like the thing personally that I was most interesting in, interested in, like the digital part, that was that was also very general. But I felt like at that point, the digital part of communication was already so prevalent that it would have been a lot better if they at least got into depth on that subject a little bit more, which they didn't do. But yeah, I like think you said, mm -hmm. your positive Facebook points were... Uh, yeah, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Facebook and Google advertising should have been real courses and should have been... They, that should have been the exams that we, that we had to take. Yeah, 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 true. A, a lot of the things that, that we studied were... Um, I mean, we also got a lot of practical stuff to do which i really liked like the practical things actually helped you to learn it and maintain your knowledge about it because some of the other courses or a lot of the other courses were very theoretical and i mean if you have to learn a list of abbreviations for example i'm just saying something that's always something you can look up later and mm -hmm. the practical experience in my opinion was a lot more valuable than some of the more theoretical stuff that we saw yeah yeah, I I completely share your opinion because uh, I followed this uh, this uh, this subject PR and um, mm -hmm. 
press uh, press uh, press executive where we had to do interviews um, and uh, the, the professor pretended to be a journalist and we had to talk about a certain political subject was it uh, for me I guess um, and that was so valuable because he was asking like the hard questions and you had to answer with what you knew uh, but you couldn't say the things that you could not say and you had to work your way around that that was those were the things that were so was it valuable. a project that we did together uh, or was it a different yeah. one <laughs> that it, it, it was a it was a different one still but i also had that experience with the project we did together <laughs> you did you did such a good job everybody in our team was so proud of you i can still remember when you were standing there with, with this guy who was interviewing you and you were like a real professional already doing the interview it was so well done everybody was so proud of you <laughs> thank you thank you <laughs> yeah i i thought about going further into uh, press uh, executive and, and PR communications but eventually I guess it's still a, it's still something that I would like to get into later mm -hmm. on maybe um, but for now I keep uh, I'll keep it with the with the strategy uh, but the second thing that I that I missed a little during our education was uh, the scientific part like we we've made so much things and we had so much things to do that we could easily make strategies. We were like, and now we're going to do this, 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 and this, and this is together. This is our campaign that we're going to propose, or this is the way we're going to take, uh, to communicate the message, uh, from our briefing towards our client. Um, but what, what I really missed there was we were making all these strategies and mostly it was like, Yep. <laughs> a little <laughs> Def definitely. Yeah, yeah. A little gut feeling. And that's why I that's why I eventually I went to the university and studied communication sciences mm -hmm. because I really had an urge and I had a need to to know if everything that I was talking about, everything that mm -hmm. I was thinking about putting into strategy, if it really worked. And mm -hmm. that was where the university gave me a com a whole other look on do you mean like the scientific reasons on why specific things do work and why other things don't? Yeah. Because yeah, I exactly. think we got a little bit of psychology in the first year maybe, but we didn't get a lot of, of it, right? And that's yeah, actually something indeed. I'm interested in a lot right now is like the neuroscience behind Same. the campaigns. And so I'm, I'm reading a lot about it. And actually the last guest uh, last week, he was a neuroscientist and I asked him so much questions. <laughs> Very interesting guy. Yeah, I, I'm also like somebody who has a, a, a ton of interest in, in everything like nudging, uh, PR, yeah. but also yeah. neuroscience uh, has been one of the things that I really want to get into because um, mostly it, it actually started at the university with a with a very passionate professor and i i think everything for everything starts with a very passionate professor yeah i was going to say the same like a very passionate professor can do so much for your for your life for the rest of your life actually they mm -hmm. they have such they can have such a big influence sometimes they totally miss the opportunity but you always remember that one professor that was so good and that you have so many lessons from not even literally what they taught you, 
but also like the way, I mean, to behave or go around problem or how to solve things and yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm going. I'm going to give him a little shout out. It's it's <laughs> Professor Doctor Patrick Finke at the University of Ghent, uh, who educated on consumer behavior and uh, and evolutionary psychology, and it's really during those classes of evolutionary uh, psychology uh, and learning how the brain works and learning about neuroscience uh, that I really thought like this is so interesting like super 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 interesting uh, and I I applied for uh, for a neuroscience uh, for neuroscience internship uh, mm -hmm. but the, the the most of most of the neuroscience uh uh, companies are based in are based in the Netherlands, um, mm. or at least that or at least that's what I found at the moment when I was searching for an internship. And I said like, yeah, I really want to do an internship with you uh, with you guys, but everybody declined because I they didn't have the right uh, the right education. They were looking mm. for people who actually studied neuroscience. Um, yeah, yeah, that's also uh, what I found. Like the, the because they have a specific even branch in psychology so it's a specific branch in psychology for neuroscience and i guess if you study communication science and it's just it's probably just a smaller part of the neuroscientific things that you could learn instead of the things that you would learn if you studied psychology and then majored in uh, neuroscience for example so yeah so that's still something i would like to get into but i have a feeling that with what i what I've currently studied that uh, mm -hmm. I'm that I'm not gonna get into it like I think I really need an extra master's degree or an extra bachelor's degree in neuroscience to be able to to get into the to get into that world and that it's it sucks because I think we could learn most of the things on the job and yeah I guess you and I we're really eager, really eager persons to learn something, mm -hmm. and that's mm. that's something that that is a little underestimated sometimes, I guess. So yeah, indeed. So I, I think li lifelong learning, as as they call it, I guess, is so important, and I definitely think that we we want to do this. So how are you actually trying to learn then the neuroscience stuff? Are you just putting it away because you can't? You can't get the job because supposedly they only want people that actually have a degree in it or are you reading about it are you watching movies about it or well good question um for the moment actually i'm i've kind of um put that dream in in a box somewhere and it's it's somewhere in the back of my head like i really want to get into neuroscience it's still something that I want to learn more about, that I want to get into, that I want to find a job in, because I also believe that it's the, it's the future. Once those techniques of uh, doing neuroscience on advertising become a little more a little more cheap, mm -hmm. then 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 we're winning. Mm -hmm. But um, but I also see the reality of today, and the reality of today is that brands have. X amount of euros to spend on their brand, on their product, and they want that X amount of uh, of euros to make them as much extra 
profits as much mm -hmm. extra sales as possible and that's also what advertising is about every dollar you put into advertising has to return two or at least three <laughs> and i believe that neuroscience can really make a difference there because you're making things that really work that are proven to work um but i think the step is a little a little big to spend Mm -hmm. 10,000 euros on testing and then reworking and then testing again mm -hmm. to make the perfect ad when you when you nowadays have uh, have a lot of professionals who are already in the job for a long time and who know the basics of what a good advertisement should uh, be they know instinctively how everything works in instead of it being ne needed to prove it with neuroscientific data for example yeah like i i work with creatives with creatives who have like more than 20 years of experience inside mm -hmm. uh in in advertising and they know like what's important what's important you need a good visual you need small you need copy that is short and effective uh and you you have to put you have to combine that with a good creative concept uh, and you have to attract attention we also know like the the eye tracking mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. the eye tracking sciences mm -hmm. uh, people watch faces and where mm -hmm. faces look at um so we still have this and it's working right now um it does what it has to do right now so i believe that's why that's why neuroscience now is is a bit of yeah a kind of expensive add-on on that mm. But I think the, the biggest the biggest points or the biggest things that you could be aware of when you're actually creating an, a campaign, they are already known. Yeah. Like most, most of that, I, the, the biggest ones, they know already. Yeah, we know the biggest points, but the, the thing that I struggle a bit with is that we don't always execute on them. Um, like, you know, the... the um, the eye tracking experiment mm -hmm. with the baby who's looking at the customer and the baby who's looking at the copy next to him. Uh, is it uh, when the baby is on the left side and then the copy is on the right? Yeah, mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and in one in one of the stem, in one of the tests, the baby looks at you, and the mm -hmm. other the baby looks at the copy. Mm -hmm. And when the baby looks at the copy, everybody reads the copy. Yep. And when yeah. the baby's looking at you, everybody's looking at the baby's face. <laughs> and I think those are still things that we can improve on and that we should improve on mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. more more like improving on these things than putting extra money into neuroscience um, so actually i'm more advocating to to put the extra effort into knowing what what has worked and implementing this yeah more on executing extra money yeah mm -hmm. more on executing what is known instead of trying to figure out Again, some new stuff that you might not implement in the end, anyways. Um, yeah, actually, yeah, yeah. so um, so regarding the gaze thing, that that's maybe an interesting one. So you said that if so, if the baby's on the left hand side and he's looking to the right, so to the copy, so that would be the best way to get the people to read the copy. But also, I saw an example uh, a while ago. I don't remember the book, but when you start looking at some of the examples, you see them everywhere. And it was a campaign for people to give money to them. And apparently, so if they have a box where you can put money in and there's a picture 
with a, a woman that is like staring at you, like a, a, maybe a poor woman or something, if there are some eyes looking at you, mm -hmm. you are more inclined to actually give money than if there was no picture of a, of a woman staring at you at all. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> yeah, I think those are still things that that I want to learn about right now. So am I, am I looking into neuroscience for the moment? Not really, but I saw uh, I joined uh, a webinar lately mm. uh, about a neuroscience company in, in the Netherlands that was analyzing Christmas uh, advertising, uh, Christmas commercials. Um, and it was super interesting, but I got like, uh, I got the three biggest learnings uh, out of the out of the webinar and I think if if we can already implement on these on these things like just knowing those things we can already improve our advertising so much and we don't even need to pay for the extra neuroscience uh, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, thinking and I guess it was um, show people that are smiling and having positive emotions because if you show people having negative emotions consumer feel consumers mm -hmm. feel negative emotions um the second thing was you can make a story-based commercial and a feelings-based commercial feelings-based commercials work better in general uh, for keeping customers happy and putting positive thoughts into the minds of customers because you but can does it depend on the type of product that you are selling like for example uh, the like a uh, very expensive um, products they are more uh, status related or aspirational. So they should be more emotional, but like very... No, uh, it, was, it was not related to products. It was more mm. related to when you, when you tell a story, uh, mm -hmm. then you have fluctuations into, in, in feelings because you're telling something mostly, it comes with a problem, then you have a solution and then you have a happy ending. But if you just have a feelings commercial where you have... Uh, people singing and dancing uh, to uh, a jingle of your brand, then mm -hmm. you have these positive uh, feelings for a way longer time for like whole your commercial. And that's what you want to do when you make commercials, put as many happy thoughts into the customer's mind as possible. Um, and what was the third one? I should, yeah, I, I forgot. If I, if I, if I find <laughs> it, I, I'll let you know. <laughs> All right, that's great. Um, I'm, I'm thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to just tell you the three points if I saw a webinar a while ago, so <laughs> that's fine, that's fine. Um, oh, yeah, I, I know, I know, I know, I know, okay. I know. Now I know, now I know. Um, what, what we do in advertising is first we show our ad, is first we show our ad with what we want to tell, Mm -hmm. And in the end, we show our brand and our logo. Mm -hmm. And actually, and I found this so interesting, actually, it's the wrong way. Because what have we learned about Pavlov? Eh? Mm -hmm. He mm -hmm. uh, gives his dog food and he rings the bell. Mm -hmm. And he repeats that process time by time. And in the mm -hmm. end, you have the bell ringing and the dog makes the, makes the saliva because he thinks mm -hmm. food is, because he thinks food is coming. What we, as a brand, what we actually already have done is we've already created these patterns like positive emotions linked with our brand. So what we actually want to do when we're advertising is first ring that bell 
so the customer has this particular piece of their brain where our brand mm -hmm. is stored is activated mm -hmm. the same as the same way as the as the dog creates a saliva mm -hmm. so when we see uh, for example burger king our brain activates the part of burger mm -hmm. king and then yeah. we see all these extra content all these extra informations that we can store into the the part where burger mm -hmm. king is stored because we've already activated it before and mm -hmm. not first show everything that that you want to tell and then say oh it's this you have to store it in this part of your yeah brain. it's conditioning and also like reinforcing the feeling yeah. that they get yes indeed 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 actually so i saw and reinforcing exactly <laughs> i saw an example um a while ago and you definitely know the company uh, apple <laughs> and uh, one of the theories uh, why they picked an apple but i mean there's a lot of theories of course but it's very hard to verify which one is the right one but one of them is that they chose an apple because it's an object that you see a lot in real life and because you're primed a lot by the apple you will think a lot more about the products and the company apple and the feelings that you get from those products so that would I mean, if, if I were to create a new brand right now, I think it would be very important to find an object or a, something or a symbol that is showing up a lot on its own, even without you actually putting your own logo out there. And then that would remind people of your brand. Yeah. Well, but, okay. but then again, I mean, Coca-Cola, for example, that's just uh, the colors, right? Uh -huh. So... There's probably a lot of different ways to get your brand to be recognized even more. But I think Apple, that, there must be one. Apple and Coca-Cola must be the two strongest one on the planet, right? Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. <laughs> I agree. I think uh, I saw a picture of a banner like somewhere in, in Africa. I don't know where. I mean, it was very deserted. And even there, there was a poster of Coke. So even there, they knew what Coke was. So it's it's uh, crazy. Yeah, I, I I recently saw a post uh, that said uh, there are eight thousand servings of Coke every second. Yeah, I mean, I think Worldwide. in America it's still an unlimited, unlimited refill, right? Yeah, yeah, but it, that's such a crazy number. Like every second, so. <laughs> Yeah, it's crazy. And also they, they are still growing as a company. And I think most of the brands that you that you haven't even thought about, I mean, like Minute Mate would be not the best example, I think, but Minute Mate is also from Coca-Cola, or I think Chaufontaine mm -hmm. is also from Coke, Coca-Cola. So and a lot of the brands that you don't even think about, they are from one and the same company. They're so big. Yeah, and they're putting a lot of effort into acquiring these new um, these new uh, products that are really vegan based uh, or mm -hmm. really uh, sustainable sustainability based, like uh, Ades and Honesty um, are are their new new brand assets that they want to new products that they want to promote, but also other brands are really looking into this with uh, Eula, the energy drink. Um, that's that is linked to the Amazon forest and sustainability mm -hmm. um, be better water. So there's 
so many so many things happening is uh, is is veganism something you are doing right now or well ha have you seen have you seen uh, game changers on netflix the documentary uh yes i've seen it's about the uh, professional athletes that are that are vegan yeah. right yeah, yeah okay well i saw that uh, I saw that during the first lockdown, I guess, or a little bit before, and I was completely baffled, like in with the with the documentary. I was, I was like, oh my god, is this is this really is this really true mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that we are poisoning our our bodies and our blood with with by eating meat every day, because. The thing that that uh, that that has has stayed with me the most is, um, they they give uh, these football players these different menus. One get chicken, uh, very organic chicken. One gets beef, also like very organic beef, mm -hmm. very organically cultivated. And the other just gets uh, a vegan dish uh, with only uh, vegetables, um, and so no animal based products, and the blood of the two players that got the beef and the chicken is so um what is what's the word troubled maybe yeah. yeah it's so unclear while the blood of the of the other one who only got the, the mm -hmm, vegetables mm -hmm. was clear as as can be mm -hmm. and i was like wow this is mm. what we do to our blood yeah. every day by eating animal based products but so, I certainly believe that that uh, eating less meat is a good idea, and also like for for certain periods of time, I've also tried to do, be or to be a vegetarian or to be vegan or at least I try to eat less meat. But I'm not convinced that eating no meat is. I mean, the point of my story is that it depends on the individual which diet works for you or which one doesn't. I mean, if you need if you feel better. When you eat meat, then then why not eat it, right? If you're not so actually, you, I think you need about what is it? What two hundred grams of meat a day, or maybe even less? I think, but a lot of people are eating three hundred grams or more. So that could be the first thing we could actually change. But it, it's not like eating meat is the worst for you. I mean, if you do it in proportion, then it's fine. It's just that people eat too much of it. Yeah, but what I found the most the most baffling about the documentary was all the positive things that uh, a plant-based diet have on our bodies, like the athletes who are recovering so much faster, uh, the cycling lady who was like forty years old and she was she was killing all of her all of her training partners who were twenty years younger than her. Um, I found it I found it so interesting. Uh, that actually after the uh, after I saw the documentary I decided to go to try to go vegan <laughs> and that was that was quite the experience uh, because I went to the store and, <laughs> yeah and I was like okay I'm going to try to eat vegan so I'm going to get as much vegetables as possible I was already getting a little bit into trying to eat less meat and I don't mm -hmm. I didn't need meat every time so I thought how big can the step be to go from 
a vegetarian. Yeah, but vegetarian is all right. But vegan is very hard, right? Yeah, but then I, so I went like, okay, I want to create a pasta, for example. No, okay, cheese. No, I can't buy a regular cheese. I need vegan cheese. Um, I'm quite a fan of mayonnaise, so I was like, oh, okay, no, no mayonnaise. Luckily, you have vegan mayonnaise. Um, but when you came to the lunch, that's mm -hmm. where it got difficult for me. Like, what can I put on my, on my bread, on my sandwich? That's actually also tasty because to me, food, to me, food is quite, quite a big thing in, in, in my life. I like to have lunch and yeah. I like to have a, a big breakfast. Mm -hmm. uh, I like to eat, I like to eat good, but that's, that's where I completely lost it. I, I for the try... cheese part i think halloum do you know halloumi yeah i think that's that's a vegan alternative to to cheese yeah i tried some vegan cheeses and some vegan uh some vegan meats from the from the oh, store yeah. but uh, it was so synthetic to me it didn't taste good so that's I mean, when if I... you're actually looking for the same taste as a regular burger then i guess we'll we'll never achieve mm -hmm. that with just a regular plant-based burger but maybe in the near future if we don't need to kill the animals they are working on some kind of synthetic meat that is derived from mm -hmm. animal animal proteins or animal cells or i don't know exactly how they do it but i mean then people could still eat meat without ruining the planet in the meantime so that would be ideal i guess yeah to me to me actually i know eating less meat uh, is, is better for the planet and we don't harm animals i i know that but it's not the main factor because now i try to eat vegetarian as much as possible but i have to admit uh like for lunch mostly for lunch actually for lunch i can't really find things that i can stick on long enough to to be complete vegetarian i often mm -hmm. really need like a salami a bit of ham uh, yeah. just because it tastes so good it works it, it works together it's it's magic meat, yeah but this magic it tastes so good <laughs> but the things that make you feel full are the the proteins and the, the fats in your dinner so or in your lunch but if you don't have any proteins or fats then it's very hard to feel filled after a meal but like the biggest opposition of the vegan kind of uh, way of living is that they don't get enough protein but it is possible to get enough protein because there are not of a lot of other different products but none of the products are as uh, protein dense i'd say as meat is i'm actually not really that worried about numbers of proteins vitamins and and egg whites and all of that stuff um that's actually the least of my worries because i think if you have a, a good variation, that is okay. Uh, but what I, what I was uh, trying to say is, uh, what's the main motivator for me to, to eat uh, or to eat more vegetarian and to eat as little meat as possible? For me, that really was the, the way meat is actually not really good for your body. Um, why, is it, why is it not I good for your body? Well, that's what, what I mean? found so baffling in the in the documentary of Game Changers that it uh, you have you have these people who are uh, 
do you know the scene with the firefighters? Uh, I've, I saw the documentary, but it's been so long, so I, I can't recall it. It's... Yeah, so it's, it's a bunch of firefighters who are really like barbecuing, meat-eating Americans. Oh, yeah. But who are mm -hmm. all dealing with high cholesterol, heart, uh, heart disease, and all this kind of stuff. And they put them for a week for the experiment. They put them on a week of a plant-based diet. And the effects are, are crazy. Like mm. um, their cholesterol has dropped by all with, with almost all of them. It has dropped to normal levels. Mm -hmm. They they don't have to take medication anymore to get to have a lower cholesterol. But that's Their because they already of... had pre-existing pre-existing records of problems, right? I mean, if you just take a regular person that doesn't have any health issues at all, and you strip away that that's the difference I would like to see. I'm not advocating against or for veganism because I I mean I try to also reduce my my intake, of course, because I believe it's better. But I'm just saying that. If you already take somebody who's sick and then take away something that can make it even worse, like mm. overconsuming meat, then I mean, it's only logical that the result is uh, a person with, le with less medical problems, right? Yeah, true. But I, I also think like um, uh, if, if those are the, if those are the, the benefits that that are created to persons who have uh, a record of over abusing meat mm -hmm. that are so positive, then I think there's, there's a lot of positivity and trying to eat less meat. But again, I'm, I'm also <laughs> still on the, <laughs> on the, on the salami, like it's just so delicious. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. I think that is the main thing that is keeping me from going completely vegetarian. There's nothing that can replace the, mm. the deepness of meat in a dish. Yeah. If you put meat into something, it's like when you use plants, you have like this kind of layer of flavors. It's mm -hmm. mostly surfacing. And when you add meat, it's like, bam, you get like a whole new dimension of flavors <laughs> that are so strong. And I, yeah, I guess it's also our brains. Our brains are focused on getting salts, fats, and all that kind of stuff to help us survive mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. we're wired as human beings um, to gather as much fat mm -hmm. and salt and minerals and stuff yep. as possible because you never know when we're going to eat next. <laughs> yep. But, but yep. now in, our, in, our, in, our, in, in the world we live in today, we have, we, we have food at our availability yep. any time <laughs> of the day. That's true. So... We don't oh, need to worry about a tiger not... eating our eating our uh, eating our arm or something like, like that. So it's not yeah, really indeed. an issue anymore. And well, we're we're getting back to the neuroscience. I feel it. <laughs> but that was also what we saw with with this very passionate professor who was like evolutionary psychology mm -hmm. psychology and how it how it really affects our our mm -hmm. brain nowadays. Mm -hmm. How we actually live in a, a hyper uh, a hyperspace of reality right now we are so advanced and our brains are so so fucking old like we have the brain that our brain has not developed 
in a very big way ever since we came out of the the mm -hmm. savanna 100,000 years ago because this is evolution it's taking so many years for our brains to get used to something adapt to it over generations mm -hmm. the the complete yeah. darwin story the theory um mm -hmm. and nowadays things evolve so quick social media is one thing um misinformation yeah. and all this kind of stuff mm -hmm. it it all hammers in on the weaknesses of our stone age brain mm -hmm. we mm -hmm. everything is being manipulated to to work in our stone age brain to trigger the mm -hmm. things yeah that so, we are so vulnerable for mm -hmm. I, I read that uh, so like hundreds of thousands of years ago like the way we would get dopamine or dopamine rush that would be from um, maybe uh, shaking off a tiger that was chasing you or mm -hmm. uh, seeing somebody. I'm just gonna uh, put in my charger yeah. because I see my that's, laptop that's is fine. already <laughs> going out of <laughs> battery. <laughs> that's fine. That's, you got your dopamine rush to to get it charged very quickly. Um, the current so the current social media platforms they they are designed to give everyone these dopamine hits uh -huh. so, so many so many or, or at such a high frequency and we never had to deal with that amount of dopamine hits at a time so our brain just can't handle just like you said we are working with an Asian brain and it's just it just doesn't know what to do we're getting addicted so quickly and there's mm -hmm. no way to get to get rid of it just because our brain isn't able to to respond to it anymore yeah and I I noticed that I'm I know how everything works. I saw it in class and I, I was really passionate about it. So I, I read uh, some books about it as well. And still, like TikTok, it mm -hmm. is so addictive. Why is it so addictive? Because it gives your brain a dopamine hit of 15 seconds. Yep. And then you have like, okay, but if I swipe up, there's something new there. Something I haven't seen yet. What is it? And it's also the unexpected thing. Like yeah, previously, indeed. the social media plat platforms, I mean, at the start of social media platforms, you could kind of go to channels that had the exact content that you wanted to mm -hmm. see. But right now, TikTok, it just, you swipe up, or which way, which way is it? You swipe up and you see a video, but you don't know what you are going to get. And sometimes it's exactly the one that you wanted to see. And sometimes like ah no okay but that's what makes it addictive right you don't know what's going mm -hmm. to come to come up on your screen and you're just waiting for the one indeed. it's kind of like gambling indeed it starts indeed. to look like gambling indeed and it is it has all the all the same techniques that are as addictive as gambling facebook instagram whatsapp they use it as well they use these techniques mm -hmm. that are so similar to gambling and i i actually some weeks ago, I deleted uh, TikTok because I saw that I was completely addicted. And I deleted it the... for like two weeks. Uh, <laughs> and but... now it's installed again. Yeah, it's installed again. It's installed <laughs> again, for sure. Uh, but I feel like... But it's for your job, right? <laughs> yeah. That's the excuse. <laughs> yeah, one of the reasons really... Yeah, it, it is kind of part of my job because it keeps... It keeps me into Gen Z culture. It keeps me involved in the hypes that are at the moment, challenges that are popular. 
I I think as a part, and I, I'm not I'm not kidding, but as a part, it's really I see it as my duty to to follow TikTok and to follow any new mm -hmm, platform mm -hmm. because it's advertising. I have to know what people are doing right now. I have to. It's my job. That's what I do as a strategic planner. But also, I managed to create like to 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 create this algorithm in TikTok that offers me content that I also really want to see because TikTok is not only 15-year-old girls doing dances and the renegade and whip and all yep. that kind of stuff. It's also really, really good content, content creators who create valuable content in a very engaging way. And, and yeah, I really get input from it. I get things that are videos that I save because I think this is interesting. I have to do something with it. Um, what are the videos that you are seeing on TikTok then right now? Uh, I see every, I see everything, everything from investing to crypto to um, psychology to advertising. Uh, yeah, really everything. Are you are you in the crypto market, Renze? No, no, I'm looking into it. Yeah, not yet. I think wait, I'm wait, a little bit late as well. Wait for the drop if it's going to drop again sometime. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Actually, I, I had a conversation with a friend uh, yesterday about about crypto and about the way the banks respond to that. Which maybe maybe you don't know, you know why it is, but so a lot of people are starting to be against the banks, right? So they they have the power for your money, and you can't really get all your money if you want to or you're actually losing money while it's while it's in there uh, and a lot of people and I think it's especially because of the stimulus checks in America I don't know that are putting their money into Bitcoin because you're like okay but it, if I put it on on my bank account and it won't do anything at all but the way the banks responded or at least in Belgium they are starting to ask for even more money to put your money where with them. So that's crazy, right? KBC, for example, mm -hmm. they are now starting to sell subscriptions or it's kind of like a subscription for your cards. But that would be, in my opinion, that that's like the opposite thing you would have to do if the danger right now is that they all go to a different platform to work with their money. Mm -hmm. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, <laughs> you're, you're completely right. But uh, still, uh, I think... <laughs> Yeah. I think people are indeed losing confidence in in central banks because mm -hmm. we we had so many crashes. We had the the euro crash. Uh, every everything's crashing, and it's it's no longer backed by gold. That's one of the things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, but yeah, then Bitcoin is also not backed by by. Yeah, anything. but it's only valuable if everybody agrees that we're gonna. Mm -hmm. It's like mm -hmm. everybody. It's like in the in the the Stone Ages. Everybody was like, "Bam! Well, I have this piece of uh, golden-looking thing, <laughs> and I made an encryption into it with my face. Now this is worth this much. This much amount." Yeah, and it was yeah, okay. Okay, yeah. it's only the power of the people. If the people mm -hmm. believe that the money has a certain amount of value, mm -hmm. then it has that amount mm -hmm. of value. But like the biggest opposition right now against Bitcoin is like, oh, but it's not real. It doesn't have any value because it's not real. But that's the entire concept of money on its own. 
Mm -hmm. it's, it's just that's like the concept above it like you have money on its own and then you have like paper money or digital money on one side and then bitcoin as a separate category and they are all just based on belief that it is worth something so i don't believe that that is kind of that, that is the right opposition to make against bitcoin right now no, or no. any cryptocurrency for that matter are you in uh, bitcoin so actually, I had some Bitcoin um, about a year or two ago, uh, but I sold it because it was very volatile and it still is. And I just, I mean, my heart was going up and down every time uh, it was worth more or less more because uh, I was afraid of, of, of losing the money, I guess. Uh, and I just took it out of the market. But uh, so I'm not, I'm not into it. I also had Ethereum at that point. Um, Bitcoin, I think I bought at the price, at that point it was 7.5k. So if I just kept it right now, there would already be a, a big improvement, but uh, I didn't. But I am investing just in the regular stock market right now. And I feel this is just a better, uh, it's a little that's bit better. Also, that's also something that I, I, I kind of pity that I had to learn that myself, like... Last year, I got really got into financial literacy and I noticed that I knew nothing about money. I was not really invested with, with money, but also at the, at the time I was still a teenager. Money didn't really matter to me. It actually never really mattered to me when I was a teenager. I didn't do lots of uh, jobs, teenage jobs to get lots of money, mm -hmm. but I also wasn't a really big spender. Like I didn't do very expensive traveling and mm -hmm. then went to very large uh, music festivals or so so i had very little costs um i went to parties uh, that were in the neighborhood like scouts parties and stuff like that <laughs> those are the cheap things yeah. and I, I could also i could always find my way around with the uh, the things i did i gave training in jump rope um th there i got some money and mostly I worked on the uh, animated playing grounds. That was mm -hmm. really my passion, uh, where I found a lot of fun in. Uh, mostly it was uh, as a volunteer, but when you gain some experience and you get a, a little more, ex mm -hmm. a little more um, responsibility, you get paid a little more. So I actually never thought about money. Wasn't what did you do with your money then that you earned? Because you said you didn't spend it. It was just... I, the thing I, I actually always just had enough like no <laughs> at, at one at one point I would have to buy a new cell phone okay then I, I always had like enough I didn't really save a lot I didn't really had to draw okay, a lot okay. of out of my savings I just had always had enough okay it was okay. just always fine to come around <laughs> um but then like I always said when I when I'm when I'm going to go working, I'm going to start learning more about money yep. and, and what I can do with my money. And I started last year when the lockdown came. Mm -hmm. And since ever since, it's, it has been such a difference for me. I mean, if like, you started investing in, in March, a lot, a lot of uh, the stock market was just down. So... If you invested at that point, I mean, at this point, it should be up quite a quite a bit, right? Yeah, I'm I'm up quite a bit, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but but I still feel like there's so much 
so much to learn and so much mm -hmm. uh so much yeah so much still to to experience but it's it's so it's such valuable information mm -hmm. to yeah to know what, what's going around and what you can do with your mm -hmm. money and it's a pity that they don't teach you that uh from the ages from 12 until 18 for example you never have that kind of information or they might mention it once but not 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 anything practical well, if we knew by the age of 18, for example, how the stock market worked or, or, so, or, or how the financial system kind of worked, we could have started already investing at that point. If we did some kind of holiday job and put just some money aside into, into an account on that end, and it would have been such a big advantage at, at our age right now. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, you only learn about all that stuff if you do a specific course after you're 18 or if you just look it up yourself and yeah indeed i don't know did you get did you get some financial literacy literacy for from your parents um because well, i really believe that it's a parent's job to to do that but i mean my, my parents family, that wasn't the case my parents were very big on the saving part so actually every time i got money from a, a holiday job they were like oh but put aside some money uh, it's better and at that age you kind of just listen to your parents so you just i mean like okay okay i'll put aside uh, half of what i made uh, into into my uh, bank account uh, so that's that's the thing on the financial side that i learned from then and i'm still very grateful because because i'm a big saver right now as well and it's also pretty easy in uh, in this in this period to save a lot of money of course but then um, but on the investing parts, I never got any information. I, I do have an uncle that is kind of investing, but he never, I mean, I was a small kid, so he didn't really talk about the stock market with me. And also I wouldn't really, maybe at that age, I wouldn't have been interested anyways. Yeah, also I saw it in like economics, in, in the classes economics that I had, but I never, I knew how it worked, but I never, knew like how can i get into it how what do i need mm -hmm, there was also mm -hmm. something that i had to experience that i had to find out on myself but now it's like a really big passion to me i watch investing videos uh, yep. almost every day i'm checking my portfolio <laughs> uh, uh, but that's it's... not necessarily a good thing to do right you need to no, let no, it no, rest no, no. And, uh... you, you you can't be too you can't be too involved but i I, uh, yeah, but I, I can I'll do the same. My, my emotions. <laughs> I have, every day I'm just checking, oh, am I up or down? But I think that's just something you do in the beginning. As long as you don't act on it impulsively, in the, in the, then, then it's fine, I think. Yeah, that's the key. But I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not really going to. Yeah, that's also part of, of financial literacy, of course. Not responding in an emotional way, just. Yep keeping your course but that but it's it's fulfilling to see yeah if it if it's if it's up uh for a day but then also when you're down for a day it's also like oh damn <laughs> <laughs> don't forget don't forget everything that goes up must come down <laughs> yeah I, I do have some some of them that i bought like i have mostly etfs but i do have some some individual stocks but the one that were recommended to me they are doing badly and the ones that i pick myself are doing great probably by accident but <laughs> but anyways but uh, they kind of cancel each other out so like a diverse portfolio 
That's also one of the first things that I learned is very important. So mm -hmm. I try to keep that in mind. While, while one, of, one of the things I blame myself for is not buying into Tesla when the stock uh, ah, split came. Yeah, yeah. Like, I think, uh, yeah. stupid. <laughs> yeah, uh, at, that, at that point, I think I just started learning about it. So I was like, okay, let's set up an account to start dealing in the stock market. And I wasn't sure if I should put money in it because I think at that point, was it after the split? It was 60 euros or something for a stock yeah, or it was 400 oh 400 already okay but 400 would have been would have been fine but now it's at i don't know it's at 800 or something i don't know mm -hmm. but uh yeah but there's there's a lot of stock that's cheaper i mean individually cheaper mm -hmm. that also raises quite a bit so tesla is just a kind of a, a cool into. one to have i guess we have to find the next Teslas because we don't have the money to pay the current ones. <laughs> I, I, I found a company, that, an electric uh, company that and I bought some stock of. And it's called Neo. And it's, at this point, it's still doing great. But who knows, probably on Monday, uh, there so, will be no, a correction. No, they, they had, uh, I'm also invested in Neo and they, have, uh, they had a launch. Uh, yeah. Uh, they're working Yesterday. together with NVIDIA. Yeah. Um, so... It's looking good for us. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, it's looking good at, at this point, but it has been since, I mean, it's been rising so fast that I think on Monday, probably there will be some kind of correction. But if you just, if we just keep on to the ones I, we have, it should be fine. I think over the long run, at least. I'm really afraid of a, of a stock market correction in the, in this year. I believe there's coming another drop, but uh, this is a, a we're talking a lot about financial literacy. <laughs> it's not a, is this okay? <laughs> sure, sure. We, we just talk about whatever comes, uh, comes our way, right? I mean, okay. well, just to be clear, and I mean, I'm speaking for myself, but I'm not a professional at all. So I'm just... Yeah, <laughs> I'm not a professional advisor, so don't... We, we don't know anything. We didn't, yeah. Don't listen to us, please. But, don't don't I mean, sue us. Don't sue us. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> yeah. but I didn't know you were, you were into this, this kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. I I try to keep it a little under the radar mm -hmm. as well. Do you know a lot of other people about... that are starting to get interested in in it, or? I'm mostly trying to uh, to convince my siblings to get into it uh, because they're still young, and knowing what I know now, if I had invested when I was eighteen, I would yeah. already have made quite some profits. Uh, nowadays so I'm mostly mo I, I want to learn them about because as I said I feel like it's the it's the the responsibility of a parent to teach your kid about money and that's something that's not really happening in my but family. they can just I'm teach not, you what they I'm know not, right yeah I'm not I'm not necessarily blaming my parents that they didn't taught me because they 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 don't they haven't really learned it themselves they they were also really into saving saving and i guess that's something that's really um linked to that generation mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. the saving things um but but now i really want to share the knowledge that i have with my siblings because i i want them to do financial to have financial literacy in the future yeah. I'm, I'm trying to do the same for my brother but he's not interested in investing at all. But still, like he, 
um, uh, what's it called? Pension uh, saving savings account for your uh, pension, I guess it's called. Uh, and his job kind of puts a little bit of the monthly money already away. But uh, I talked to him like, okay, but you can, do you know that you can also like fill it up, right? So you, you get to the first bracket. Uh, oh yeah, 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 I'll have to look into that. But he's like, <laughs> not enthusiastic about it at all. And I'm like, the sooner you start, the better, because the money that you put in right now will be so much more valuable than the money you put in over a few years. And also he still lives at home. So like if he would already start putting uh, some money in every month into some kind of very broad ETF, he would be so, so many times more ahead of, of where I am at this age, but uh, he's but just not uh, interested. So uh, it will be very hard to convince him. I think. Yeah, I also feel like a lot of people aren't really into it and I don't want, I don't really want to push it. That's why I also, also keep it a little, yeah, under the radar. I'm not really very open about it because I know a lot of people aren't really interested into in, in it and I don't want to put the energy in convincing them. That's, that's not my job really. <laughs> uh, like, it, it would it would take a lot of energy and a lot of skepticism to mm -hmm. go through because I also had this skepticism at some point and that's some things you have to yeah those are things that you have to read yourself for that you have to find out yourself um that's why I'm that I guess that's why I'm keeping it under the radar mm-hmm mm -hmm. So uh, it's, it's interesting to find people that are also into it because it, it's, fun, it's fun to talk about what they are doing in that area at any point. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm also like, um, I'm subscribed to a few, or I don't know if it's called subscribe, but on Facebook there are these groups and I'm into some of those groups and I'm following them. And today I found that it was also a friend of mine that was also in that group that I didn't know uh, he was. So, yeah. It's 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 an it's an interesting topic. Mm, uh, always I'm just to share the Facebook <laughs> <groups>. <laughs> Yeah, I will uh, I will send them to you afterwards. Uh, the only thing I'm I'm sad about is that um, I just started doing it. it uh, I just started doing it uh, December last year. So yeah, that's uh, just a bit of pity bit. It's it's good that we already get into it right now because we still mm -hmm. have. I know we're. We're maybe we're a little late, like we could have started six years ago, but it's good that we've started today and not in two years or not in 15 years, mm -hmm, for mm -hmm. example. We still have a lot to learn. We have a lot of time. We still have, we, we still have to become 75. So we still have like 50 years to mm -hmm, play mm -hmm. around. Yeah. No, and now we just need to keep doing it until we are 55 or 65. And then we'll be rich. <laughs> well, hope, hopefully, hopefully. That, that, that's the idea, I guess. I mean, Indeed. the biggest thing is for me is not uh, getting rich, but just being able to give everyone I love what I want to give them. Like if, if for example, they want to go to, uh, to uh, Walibi or some kind of more expensive uh, kind of event, then I can just say, okay, sure, no problem. Yeah. Let's go there. And it's uh, also my, my goal yeah. to, because money 
became a thing that was on my mind a lot. And not having enough money was certainly something I was afraid of. And now I know that I'm on the right path to be able to, that I will be able to have enough money yep. available at every time. And then uh, you can also teach your children. Mm, yeah, indeed. So. That's also... Um, that's also why I'm into personal development right now. Like mm -hmm. I'm, I'm doing a course uh, about life coaching. Mm -hmm. What's it called? Hmm? What's it called? Uh, so it's a Udemy, it's a Udemy uh, class about life coaching. Um, mm -hmm. I can find it if you want to. Uh, it's called life coaching certification course um, and it's a it's quite interesting um, and I'm mostly doing it because now I'm still 24 and I want to figure out my own life I want to understand more about life coaching coaching mm -hmm. yourself because um, I, I almost got into a life coaching program um, to coach yourself yeah, to, to be coached, uh, oh, okay, so okay. to have someone coach me, um, because I believe that there was a lot of value in it, but, but it, it was quite expensive, so I, I didn't do it. So then I thought, okay, why don't I just teach myself? Mm -hmm. um, and you to me always has yeah. uh, sales on courses, so <laughs> I, I only paid like 15 euros or so. Yeah, it's always... Um, Normally it's 200 bucks, but now it's 10. <laughs> it's like, <Yes>. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Always, all the time. And, and I also want to learn this right now so that in the future I can help people around me with the stuff I know. Mm -hmm. so, uh, are you mostly learning from, from videos right now or do you have other, other sources too? Um, well, I... Uh, what I, what I what I notice is that the best way for me to learn still is to be teached, to have someone teach me, to have a professor, and a class, and okay, like actually I've been thinking about it to go back to school, uh, and to to start studying again, not in like a, high, a really high pace, but I I would love to get. 15 extra degrees or so like <laughs> it, it, it really it really excites me um but of course right now that's not really possible so i go to online courses because they're available they're cheap um mm -hmm. and you get like quite the same experience and cheap is maybe not not really true because i also paid 600 euros for a course a while ago um and what was it worth courses it? The thing with these courses is that you have a path and that works best for me. I have a path that I have to go through. They teach me things. They give me valuable uh, methods or frameworks mm -hmm. or stuff. And at the end, you get a certification. Yeah. Also, that is quite important for me. Um, I also try to read a lot, but I notice that I tend to read and you, you always do something with the information that you mm -hmm. read within the week. Like you remember it for a week and then you forget about it again. Mm -hmm. 
but the thing, the the way to keep the knowledge there is to do to actually do something with it, right? To transform the information mm -hmm. that you read or that you that you watched on a YouTube video or, or a Udemy course, and then mm -hmm. actually transforming it into something else, and that's what makes you remember it. But, but if thing, you're just reading a book and letting is, it slip away, there's so much information right now, and there's so much things that I've already learned about, read about, and I, I think I would pay a lot of money for a tool that would help me structure everything that and that I can recall the information that I learned in a very quick way that will be super so helpful. do you know um, Anki no do you know so um, it's an application and I think you can you can use it on desktop as well and it uses the technique called um, space repetition so it's the idea that uh, the things that you do that you know you don't have to repeat as much but the things that you don't or that you have trouble with remembering, they ask you the question again and again. And mm -hmm. you can just add uh, these cards, for example, or you, you put a question on the front end, for example, and then you type out the answer on the back. And then it will automatically, the algorithm will ex automatically present you with, with cards. And you just have to see if you can answer them or not. And it will automatically um, present them more or less, depending on how good you store the information that was asked. Okay. So that, that, that yeah. could be a really good one. Can you send me a link after the podcast as well? That would be so <laughs> of course, of course. I'll send it to you. Um, so the way I try to use it is for the, um, like the countries and capitals, but the, or actually for paintings as well. But the problem is um, you shouldn't really pick a deck that was already created. There's a very big value in creating the deck yourself because then you've already kind of seen the information before and you already have some idea. But if you're just starting on a deck on a subject that, you've, that you know nothing about, then it's, then it's really hard. So that's not the way to go. So if you would just... So for example, for your um, life coaching uh, certificate course, it would be very nice if you could watch the entire course and then some cards were automatically generated in Anki because you've seen the course and then you, you probably still remember somewhat uh, how it worked, but then you would get, would get questions and you would need to respond. And I think that would be ideal if in some way that could be generated automatically. Yeah. Not, not sure how it would do that, but... <laughs> super valuable. Yeah. Um, yeah, and what, what was the, the book that you were reading uh, when I asked you to come on the podcast? Yeah, it's, uh, it's this one. Strategy Strat is Your Words by Mark Pollard. And I have to say, um, it was a very expensive book. <laughs> <laughs> Mostly because it has to come from America. And Mark Pollard is a very known uh, advertising strategist, strategic planner, same mm -hmm. thing that I do. Um, but the book is quite a difficult experience actually, because he, he writes in such a brilliant, but also very elaborate way mm -hmm. that I often feel a bit lost, but yet I'm able to get everything out of it that I, that I want to, mm -hmm. but I'm, I'm me personally, I'm really the 
the kind of summary guy like I don't want to read a book that's 400 pages why don't you just tell me in 50 with a without all the extra like I'm really somebody who who finds value in in short actionable things yeah and that's you don't why... want to read the stories behind some because a lot of writers when when they have a book of uh, 400 pages like 75% of it is just like personal anecdotes or stories yeah. And then the or main, the key points are discussed story on the story and page. then the, the point that you want to get out of it. Yeah, but um, I find it really helps you to remember that as well, because then you have like yeah. some kind of story to remember and then the point that followed after that. So that's probably True. why, why it still works. But uh, I've tried to do it with other books as well, to just read the summary, but then the information doesn't st stick as easily or you need to actually spend some time to actively try to learn the summary which i mean well but i had a i had a conversation lately on linkedin with uh dirk masbooms i guess is his name um and he said like there's so much wrong with the way we think we have to read books we think we have to read one book by one and we have to read the whole book before we go to the other one but actually, it's okay to have five books laying around and one day you, you read this one, the other day you read the other. Uh, it's okay also to skip uh, subjects, um, to skip uh, headlines in the books, mm -hmm. to skip mm -hmm. cer certain parts because it's the job of the writer to keep you involved. And if, if you're having a tough time going through a boring part of the book, just skip to the next interesting part because we have this idea that we oh i've read the whole book now i know everything mm -hmm. but we forget so much so mm -hmm. it's so do you know the saying uh you become the average of the five people you spend most time with mm -hmm. uh so actually i read this quote a while ago but regarding books so you your knowledge becomes the knowledge from the average of the five books you read or just the books that you read. So it's not necessarily that you, it's not necessary that you need to actually be able to recollect everything you read, but after a while, because I mean, you've probably read some other self-help books as well. There are always some concepts that come back all the time. Mm -hmm. And after a while, it's also kind of reinforced learning, right? These concepts come back again and again. And at some point you just will be able to recollect them by yourself. So it's not necessarily, I mean, it's not to be expected that you can recall a whole book after you just read it, right? Mm -hmm. So, what is the book that you would like to? That if I would ask you, like, one book, one book you want to promote, which one would it be? Uh, a book I would want to promote. Um, mm, so I'm just going to tell you about the, the book that I'm reading right now. Um, so it's uh, Parasitic Minds by God Saad, I think uh, he's called. Uh, he was on the Joe Rogan podcast, I don't know. Um, mm -hmm. And he was talking about the way it's, his whole point was about the nature versus nurture uh, part. So whether we are actually born as a blank slate or not, it can be formed into anything at all, which of course isn't the case. And in his book, he's kind of laying out the things that if you are being politically correct, you can't say, but actually from a biological standpoint, 
there just are some differences between, for example, men and women or between older people and younger people, whatever, mm-hmm. uh, that are just there. And that for some reason, people in 2020 are just ignoring that there are differences like that. And he's kind of laying them out also with the, the studies where he found the information. And it's, it's a very interesting read. I'm reading it on my, uh, my ebook right now, although I'm more a fan of the physical books. Uh, Me too, because but, I, I like to take my marker. I, I, I never read without a marker, actually. I always have a marker or a pen with the, uh, with the, to underline things mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That, I, that I find valuable. And I like to add post-its and stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm hesitant to use a marker. Sometimes I'm, I'm doing it with a pencil because maybe, actually, maybe I should just use a marker because I'm not going to sell those that I am marking in anyways, but... Uh... No, indeed. Yeah, it's <laughs> like, this is my book. And I, if I, I always think like it's a source of information that I want to get into. It's not the... I'm not going to read it only once in my lifetime. And when mm-hmm. I read it again, I want to go back to the things that are very valuable mm-hmm. um yeah definitely and the one that i would recommend which um so when i was a student like when i was 16 or, or 17 for example history wasn't my strongest suit but i was always interested in the stories and so on but i was never good at the the tests that follow after that um and i think last year i went to saint petersburg in russia and that really got me interested into Russian history. And that's why I read uh, Hulak Archipelago, uh, which is about the kind of the concentration camps, but in Russia under, um, under Stalin. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a very interesting read. It's a bit hard, but it's a part of history that I feel is skipped in our, in our education in Belgium, or isn't really touched upon while he made a lot of more he, he killed a lot of more people than, uh, than Hitler actually did. And the read, it's a very interesting read. And it also helps you kind of to shape your view of human nature, right? Like what people are able to do once they are driven into such tight corners. And uh, yeah, no, that's, that's a really good one. But I have so many books to read. I, I buy more books than I can read. <laughs> same, same. And <laughs> There's I always the next one on the list. Always. I'm not I'm not that big of a reader actually. I I never was mm-hmm. as a child when when we got to go to the library for school like it was it was uh, you we had to go. It was like Wednesday morning I guess everybody went to the library as the class and you got to pick three or four books uh, and then the week after that again and I always grabbed like the the informational books. And I was never into reading fiction. Mm-hmm. I was like strips and information books. And also today, I I think you will rarely, I guess in the last six years, never see me reading a fictional book. If I want to see fiction, I will watch the TV show or I will watch a movie about it. But for me, reading is is kind of a job. It's it's something hard for me to do and that is that's why i only read non-fiction and that's also why i buy more books than i can read um because i'm so interested in everything uh yeah 
but it, it's also taking me quite a while to get through a book now mm. yesterday i had a good read uh, and i think it i i read on my laptop it was an ebook mm -hmm. and i guess maybe that works even better for me than than uh, it's easier for you to read books. on a screen than on a than in a book i believe so because i can put uh, I can put the, the letters really big and I could, I could read yeah. lo way faster in that way. Yeah, it, it ah, sounds strange. really silly, but <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I, I prefer either a physical or ebook. I'm not, I can't really read on, on the screen for some reason. I get, I just get distracted more easily. Oh no, I, I was very focused to my, uh, to my own <laughs> amazement. I mean, whatever, whatever works, right? That's the... Indeed, indeed. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but as you can see, like I have a lot of, those are not all my books. I have so much book uh, lying around. Uh, is there uh, somebody coming in? Yeah, somebody's coming in. Just a second. Yeah. We're going to need to be when we end. See, he's out, make dope style. That's cool. And, uh, but I don't know straks I'll just sell it. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Like, <laughs> I mean, that's that's what happens. That's really you're you're um, you're uh, living with your parents or no? I'm uh, living with a roommate. Uh, oh, okay. In uh, in Ghent. Ah, okay. Oh, where where do you live? I also live in Ghent. <laughs> Don't give your exact address. <laughs> this is going to end up on the internet, you know. Oh yes, yeah, shit. <laughs> Maybe I, I should deep that that part out. <laughs> oh, <please. laughs> Otherwise, you'll get stalkers. Uh, that's not really what we want out of this podcast. <laughs> no, no. Uh, actually, so um, the thing I ask uh, all of my guests, well, you're the third one, um, but I ask all my guests if they have a question either for me or a question that they want to ask themselves. So I'm kind of curious uh, what you can come up with, and uh, yeah. well, there there's lots of questions uh, <laughs> okay. that I want to ask myself, but to most of them, or I know the answer, or I'm, <laughs> or I'm thinking about, or it's more like a question like, what would you do in the future, or what will the future bring? Mm -hmm. uh, so I think I would like to ask a. Uh, ask a question uh, to you and that's what what uh, what makes your life fulfilled when do you feel fulfilled in life oof uh, that's a, a very hard uh, philosophical question right mm -hmm. um, uh, so I can I read the book um, the meaning for life by I think it's uh, Viktor Frankl and I'm, I'm writing it, down uh, book? the book about uh, the prison. He was a prisoner in the yeah. concentration camps yeah. and it, how you find a purpose, even though mm -hmm. everything seems lost. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. So he kind of, he kind of took us through the story where he's looking for what makes people survive the harshest situations. And what he, what the, in the end of the book he's like, okay, what makes people survive is not really that they, have a purpose, although that, that could be one of the reasons, but more that you are looking for a purpose. 
So even though you don't know what your purpose is, if you're still looking for it or actively like looking forward to what's next, what's next, then, then all will be fine. Or you're more likely to survive kind of these harsh situations because you have a positive outlook on things and you expect things to go better. And that's something that I, that I also try to live by. So if I'm not feeling as happy or, or fulfilled, which might happen, I'm thinking, okay, so do I, is there something I want to do or is there something, so some plans that I have that I, that I might want to execute on in the future? And I'm like, okay, if that's my plan, what can I do to kind of get to that point? Mm-hmm. And I think that's what makes uh, your life fulfilling for, on some end. Um, but maybe that's not exactly what you meant by what's a fulfilling life. Um, no, 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 no. I think that's a really good answer. Well, what what would fulfill my life is, I mean, it's a, it's very traditional, I think. But uh, having having my own family uh, in the in the future uh, to be able to do everything I want uh, or that they want to do with me as well, um, that 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 would make me a very happy man. Um, and if in the meantime I could just do stuff that I love as well, it would be great. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's also, it's, sometimes it's just in the small things, but I think already knowing these kind of stuff really helps in actively trying to make your life as fulfilling as possible. Mm-hmm. How, how does it work for you? Well, um, I'm, I'm somebody who, like, like maybe you, you already noticed during this podcast i'm i'm interested in lots of things and mm-hmm. i also want to do lots of things and that's also why i can't really focus on certain things in life um like um you're never gonna see yeah i i want to do you have you have to like all these things that you want to have in order right financials your sports mm-hmm. uh, love life uh, everything and i also want everything um and i i don't know what so much things to learn and, and know about and i'm an adhd so i'm i have a very fragmented attention span and i get mm-hmm. bored really easily uh, so you always see me doing um other other things like reading i can start reading one book and the next day i'll read another one uh or i'll I'll say to myself i want to improve this part of my life and next day i will be working on something else but i guess um it's just about how how you say just keeping purpose and or keeping looking for purpose and keeping adding purpose in any way that you want Mm -hmm. is is uh, is what is fulfilling do, do you think it's it's necessary to find a single thing to focus on or is it not necessary? Um, I believe that if I if you can focus on one thing and work work on this thing uh, very dedicated that you can improve on on this a lot in a very short time and if you always start with if you always do small bits then mm-hmm. you're never gonna get so far ahead mm-hmm. uh, so that's a bit what i what i blame myself but it's uh i guess it's 
it's how it is and <laughs> i i have to accept that I, I kind of recognize yourself and me as uh, I'm also interested in a lot of different stuff. And that's also why I like talking to, to just to different people on the podcast as well, just because whatever you're going to throw at me for information, I will be like, okay, tell me more. I, I, want, to, I want to know. Um, mm -hmm. But um, I think at the end of last year, so I read a lot, um, um, I read uh, Think and Grow Rich uh, by yeah. Napoleon Hill. So, and the main really point... Hmm? I also read that I have a line here. <laughs> <laughs> and the main point I got from it is actually that just action is the most important thing. Like it, you can have so many ideas or have it thought out so well. If you just don't act on any of the ideas you have, you won't get anywhere. So mm -hmm. right now I have these ideas in my head of things I want to do. And some of them I've already acted on, like the podcast, for example. Uh, I could think about it for months and like, oh, but how will I light this and how will I film this and how will I edit it instead of just starting with it. And maybe the first one or the first two or, or ten or whatever don't look like anything, but at least I'll get some experience on the way and it will gradually improve. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that's what, what's most important. The thing I found very interesting about the book as well was the way you can... Uh, manipulate your unconscious brain. Mm. The power of thought. I'm, the power of the unconscious, indeed. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm still very interested in working this out. I, for 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 a little time, I I try to I try some things out. Um, to to really plan your unconscious brain and to to crave it. To carve it the way you want mm -hmm. uh, but then i lost it again a bit and but i believe that there's so much power in this also because because i had the classes about neuro marketing neuroscience mm -hmm. and i and i know how much of our thinking is unconscious and how much of our behavior and so much we're, we're doing is unconscious and Mm -hmm. I think there's so much value in exploring that. I think that's kind of the next focus, I believe. that The next focus for humanity should be to work on the way we think and the way we mm -hmm. can influence just our general well-being just by thinking. making sure we have a healthy brain and, and thinking positive and being positive helps so much in keeping you healthy. Mm -hmm. without any of the other stuff that you might need to 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 get to that point and i really hope that starting from from this point on or from this point on we will start to focus on it a lot more because i believe there's great power in doing so mm -hmm. yeah, and I, yeah totally. think and grow rich was a, a great book for that it it's it wasn't really the book that i expected it to be for some reason no same same. I think there's it's more than I, I thought it was going to be about money but it's it's about so much more yeah it's it's I mean some of the things you want to achieve by applying the techniques that they mention in the book or the, the concepts that they mention in the book is to achieve like a financially good life but it can be applied to so it can be applied to anything in your life 
Mm-hmm. That, that's what really struck me. It's like just make sure you get a healthy brain and you think positively and you, you act. And uh, that will already put you ahead of so many other people that are just thinking about it and not doing anything with it. So, uh, yeah, great one. Do you, ha- do you have a favorite book that you, that you want to recommend? Uh, ooh. Uh, n- not, re- not really. Just because I'm so easily bored. <laughs> yeah. I'm always like, new information is, is better than existing information. <laughs> all right, all right. Got it. <laughs> um, yeah, all right, Renzi, this was... Uh, I had so many like different questions, but this conversation was quite natural i didn't actually use uh, a lot of the actually written down questions that i had prepared yeah we I still thought... have to talk about lemonade agency <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe you can come on for uh, a second time sometime right with all the pleasure <laughs> and uh, i'll still i still have the question prepared so, so i can still use this, <laughs> the same ones the next time so that's great <laughs> All right. Indeed, yeah, but with uh, with a lot of pleasure. <laughs> Renz, it was a uh, very nice, very nice talking to you, and uh, I yeah. hope we will be able to to grab a beer sometime in real life as well. That I would be so. would be so great, and uh, we'll talk again later. Thank you for joining the podcast. I'm very glad Thank you, you did for it. inviting me. <laughs> All right. Talk to you later. Bye. Ciao.